Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with EverAg are their own and do not reflect the views of EverAg. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by EverAg. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by EverAg Insights. Each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. Today, December 23 corn is trading down three and three quarter cents at 478 and three quarters, with November 23 soybeans down eight cents, trading 13.53 and three quarters. Turning to our guest this week, it's our privilege to have Luisa Fernandez Willie, Assistant Vice President of Policy and Economics at the Association of American Railroads. Thanks for joining us today, Luisa. Thank you for having me. Louisa, to get started with, can you tell folks a little bit about your work at AAR and how your position helps inform about movement along U.S. railways? Yeah, of course. So I'm an economist by trade. And in my role, I look at you know economic indicators, traffic data, and other data to explain current trends. Then, then I inform you know policymakers on how to make the best decisions and also to provide information to folks to have a better understanding of our industry. That sounds really interesting, actually. So right now, the buzz around the world is about U.S. growing conditions as it pertains to the world that we live in. That may not be the buzz necessarily that the rest of the world is thinking about, um, but that's certainly on the top of mind of a lot of our listeners. But with fall just around the corner and talks of, of harvest, how does your role at the U.S. railroads affect those harvest railroad logistics? Well, the bus up the round, around the railroad is also about the harvest. And, you know, the railroads play a very important role in this part of the supply chain, in the movement of all these agricultural products that essentially feed America and the world. Now, let me talk about a little bit about how the railroads prepare for the harvest. And that is an ongoing process where the railroads are constantly investing in our network. And some of those investments actually are dedicated to agricultural routes into the acquisition of hopper cars, which are the type of cars that are moved, are used in the movement of grains. Now, to ensure a successful harvest, you know, the railroads are constantly talking to their customers, to the terminals, and to other grain exports to gain valuable insights on where to place their equipment and the personnel. But before all the harvest happens, you know, there's all the other things that the grain growers also need, like, you know, the raw materials for the fertilizers, the tractor equipment, the movement of the grain to the ports, and the railroads are involved in all those type of movements. So even if before the harvest happens, the railroads are already involved in the process of producing grain. Absolutely. And... Unfortunately, last year we got a front row seat to that with the threat of rail worker strikes, which created anxiety for a lot of growers and certainly a lot of grain terminals across the country. Are there any potential hiccups that you're looking at this year or anything that you're monitoring closely, Louisa? I would have to say that extreme weather continues to present challenges to all industries. I mean, we're talking about, you know, wildfires, floods high temperatures. And I mean, for example, we just seen the devastation in Hawaii from wildfires. 
So these are things that the railroads are constantly monitoring. And when you think about it, the railroad operates in a vast outdoor 24-7 network. And sometimes it places the trains in the path of natural disasters. So the railroads are constantly thinking, you know, with safety in mind, how to best improve their infrastructure and operations, become more resilient. And not only they weather the storm, can also operate effectively and efficiently in years to come. And let me give you just a couple examples of the uh, climate resiliency plans that the railroads have. So they have installed sensors that pick up seismic wind and water across high impact parts of the network. They also have replaced wooden infrastructure with concrete and steel where it's possible. And they also have raised thousands of miles of track to mitigate flood impacts. And just to give you like, you know, just another example of a situation, I mean, we all remember Hurricane Katrina. And as soon as the storm passed, the railroads were able to deploy drill crews to clean debris, to fix the track and so on. And they were able to restore service quite quickly and provide the movement of those materials necessary for the recovery. We definitely know how vital railroads are in moving product to and from across the country. Have you noticed that there's like certain regions that are more directly impacted positively or negatively with rail traffic than other parts of the country? Yeah, I mean... When you think about it, like where the grain is produced, you're going to have a higher concentration of, you know, of railroad services in that particular area. So, for instance, if you think about, you know, the Midwest, the Midwest is one of the largest producers for, you know, for corn and grain. I mean, 80 percent of all the grain and uh, corn that is produced is actually from the Midwest. And that actually accounts for about 45,000 miles worth of track. And Illinois is about 7,000 miles of, you know, leading the way of all that, of all the different states. But it's not only, again, just the grain in certain areas, how they're just grain producers, but it's also, we got to look at it from the different perspective, that it's all the different things that are involved in grain production. So you need, again, the chemicals that come from the Gulf Coast. You have, you know, you need the manufacturing plants that produce all these tractors that are then necessary to be moved by rail that then eventually they're acquired by grain producers, you know, the ethanol plants, the, uh, you know, the grain mills and all that. And the railroads with their vast network of 140,000 miles, they connect the grain growers to all these different, you know, service providers. So it is not just, you know, providing the service to the grain growers, but it's also providing services to all the supporting industries that allow for this production to take place. I want to talk a little bit about something that you, you kind of mentioned briefly in your last comments, which is um, you mentioned getting product from, say, the Gulf, which obviously means that we're importing it from another place into this country. Exports have been a big deal in the grain industry and will continue to be. In order for us to continue to have a robust export market, we need product to move to and from really fluidly. When it comes to shipping grain, do the U.S. railroad system have special relationships with like barger ocean carriers to help network and move that grain around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, grain transportation, like you said, includes all modes of transportation. So you have barges, trucks, container ships, and the railroads. So the railroads are actually connected with, you know, with our network to all these different places. 
And, you know, when you think about it, in, in before a bushel of grain ends up in its final destination, it probably moved in two different modes of transportation, whether it's truck, rail, rail, barge. So it is, they're in, you know, they're interconnected. Without one, you cannot have the arrival of this grain. Now, to give you some color, let's talk about a little bit of some data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And they state that, um, you know, when you look at grain movements, about 67% is moved by truck, 22 by rail, and 11 by barges. So it certainly points to the fact that the rail system is, is absolutely vital to making the U.S. competitive in the export market. That's correct. And I mean, the U.S. is one of the, grain, the leading grain exporters in the world, and the railroads play a key role to that. I mean, when you think about also referencing some of the data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA states that about 40% of all the grain exports are moved by rail. And those grains are generally, you know, corn, wheat, and soybeans. And they primarily, they, I mean, they move to dozens of countries, but they, the top exporters are Mexico, China, Japan, South Korea, and Colombia. So the railroads actually move this grain either to the ports or across the border in Mexico in in Canada. So in order to allow for the US to continue the position of top green exporters, you know, the railroads are constantly, you know, investing in the network to make sure that they meet their customer demands. Luisa, I've got a question around moving grain from country to country by way of rail. Last year, I believe it was, it made some headlines in the market that there was going to be a seamless rail connection from Canada to Mexico by way of ownership. Where is that situation at right now? Oh, thank you for asking for that. So what are you referring to is the merger of Canadian Pacific, Kansas City, that essentially created network from Canada to United States and to, um, and to Mexico. And with this particular rail line, you're going to, I mean, customers are going to essentially have access to the entire North America network with one single company. That seems like it would be kind of a win-win-win all around. Is that, is that the case, Louisa? Yeah, that is correct. And then also, I mean, not only that particular, uh, that merger was finalized on April 14th of this year, but there's also other partnerships across various networks that are allowing this connectivity seamless across, you know, various countries. Well, and we've seen firsthand the difficulties that moving product from country to country by way of rail can have as example by what's going on in Ukraine. Ukraine is on a different rail set than a lot of Eastern Europe. And so it's created some logistical snafus and certainly slowed up the movement of product out of Ukraine into the rest of the world by way of of Eastern Europe. So being able to move products seamlessly across all of North America certainly allows for us to be competitive on both the import and the export front. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, and the beauty of the North American network is their interoperability. So what you move from Canada can just go all the way to Mexico on the same type of track with the same type of standards. 
because also they all follow, you know, the same type of rules. So it gives you the guarantee that when you're moving can just go all the way to Mexico or all the way to Canada. Luisa, this has been a really interesting uh, podcast for me. I didn't know a lot about the railroad system, honestly, before today, but I really appreciate your insights and all of our listeners will too, because we do, we've seen firsthand how important the railroad system is. If listeners would like to learn more about the work that you and your team are doing at the Association of American Railroads, Louisa, how can they best do so? Now, they can visit our website at aar.org, where we have a variety of resources for our listeners and for the general public. So we have data, real traffic data, we have publications, fact sheets, and so on. And in fact, we even have a publication dedicated to the transportation of grain. In addition to that, if you prefer to receive the latest and the greatest news on the railroads, you can sign up for the uh, Signal newsletter also on our website. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Louisa. We've certainly enjoyed our conversation. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, feel free to subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend or two, or give us a thumbs up like. Thanks so much to our producer, Corey Romero, and to Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's production. At EverAg, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are EverAg, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag everything.